Hello and welcome to IOSH Magazine's podcast series. These podcasts will feature exclusive interviews with industry experts, behind-the-scenes discussions with members, and conversations with future leaders of the health and safety profession. Today we are speaking with Paul Singh. Paul has worked in occupational health and safety for 25 years and is Group Health, Safety and Environmental Manager for the UK at King & Moffat Building Services. Paul is also a chartered member of IOSH. Hello, Paul, and uh, thank you very much for speaking to us today. Hello, Matt. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, then, I suppose I better start off by saying 25 years is a pretty long time to be committed to one profession. What, um, what made you interested in health and safety before you embarked on this career? It's a very interesting question, and it's a question I'm often asked, to be honest with you, Matt. And um, when, I, when I look back over this journey over 25 years, it... <laughs> It's quite paradoxical because on the one hand, it seems like um, a very long time. And then on the other hand, um, it seems like it's it's just been a few years, not quite 25 years. So it, it, it's one of those. And, and, and so um, just to give you a bit of background, I've always been uh, people focused. And um, back in um, 1997, uh, I was at that time I was working in general retail and I was looking for a fresh challenge because the mundane uh, life of working in a large retail store was okay but then it it got a bit um it, it got a bit repetitive for me so this was the time mid to late 90s where um accidents in the workplace and incidents in the workplace were pretty much peaking and there was a lot of talk around, you know, um, health and safety in the workplace, uh, which there was a framework in place. Of course, there's been a framework in place since the sort of mid 70s. The Health and Safety at Work Act 1974. The talk was really more around how it was very poorly uh, implemented, if you like, uh, by employers and the um, outcome, the effects of that was uh, reflected in the statistics in terms of the uh, very high numbers of accidents and incidents that were being reported and and publicised across the UK. Uh, And obviously, at that time, we were working very closely with uh, our European friends, too, because a lot of legislation was EU legislation. So being people focused, I took the decision that I would want to work in a, a an area where perhaps I am trying to support uh, the people that I'm very passionate about and uh, and maybe be that link, that bridge between the employer and the employee to try and ensure that employers are compliant and providing all necessary resources in the workplace for the employees and employees are kept safe as a result of that and they can hopefully strike some sort of a, a work-life balance uh, in that. But the, the essential thing for me was making sure that, you know, employees are provided with a safe uh, and a healthy working environment for them to work in, but then to go home to their family and friends at the, at the end of the working day. Uh, took out um, a, a, a career development loan um, to actually embark on my very first formal Safety qualification, which was a diploma 
level qualification. I remember very clearly back in 1997 slash 98. And um, the rest is history, as they say. But it was it, it's been a tough journey, especially very early on, just getting into uh, this area of work for me, uh, coming from a, a retail background, uh, presented in itself some challenges. But my focus, my passion to work with people, to keep people safe, I think, is what really got me over those challenges. And, and, and here I am today, 25 years on. Let's talk a little bit about the, your own research that you've been doing. So a couple of years ago, you looked into why there were so few turban-wearing Sikhs in construction, health and safety. Um, what, what motivated you to do that? Yeah, that's correct, Matt. Um, well, I'm actually a practicing Sikh myself. Uh, I'm practicing in the sense that I, I, I wear a turban. I am, you know, um, I have an Sean beard and, 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 you know, very important because this is my identity. This is, you know, um, the identity I was handed from birth. And I believe it's one of the most valuable values, if you like, that I have. And I've always passed those on to my family uh, going forward. And I don't believe that one should have to compromise their faith, their religion, their beliefs in order to enter and be successful within a, uh, a profession. And if I just very quickly quote, one of my great uncles was uh, 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 well publicized back in the uh, 60s for protesting against turban wearing Sikhs having to remove their turban in order to wear a helmet whilst they were riding a motorcycle. Of course, after a lot of hard work and sacrifice on his part, that then was enshrined within legislation. And now, turban wearing Sikhs, as we speak today, are exempt from having to, you know, remove their turban and wear a crash helmet when they ride a motorcycle. And similarly, under the employment uh, uh, regulations, turban wearing Sikhs working in health and safety are exempt from having to remove their turban to uh, support a hard hat when they're on a construction site, for argument's sake. So a lot of good things have happened over time. And the reason why I did my research, just to come back to your point, was to almost try and understand better the reason why, you know, my concerns were that turban wearing Sikhs were underrepresented uh, within construction, certainly at the level of OSH management. Um, and we see a lot of turban wearing Sikhs working at sort of uh, sort of grassroots level, if you like, on the ground within construction. But, you know, over the many years I'd worked in health and safety, I came across very, very few fellow uh, professionals who I would say were practicing Sikhs. And that's something that really sort of struck me, and which is why I wanted to do this piece of research. And one of the, one of the things that became very clear to me on the back of the research I did, and by the way, I, I must credit IOSH for this because they supported my research. They allowed me a platform to, you know, sort of reach out to membership across IOSH. Uh, and I'm really very grateful for that. Um, and, you know, one of the one of the things that really sort of became very clear to me as a as a consequence of my research was that I feel a lot of the issues or the underlying causes as to why the underrepresentation is, uh, you know, evident to me, is lack of awareness, both on the part of employers and employees. 
a lack of awareness on the part of employers in that um, perhaps certain provisions that maybe should have been made available for practicing Sikhs hadn't historically been made available. And that proved to be a barrier for practicing Sikhs who were not prepared to compromise their faith or belief or religion. Uh, uh, and therefore, they would just seek uh, alternative professions. Um, and also, maybe a lack of awareness on the part of employees, you know, the practicing Sikhs, whereby uh, they could have a direct conversation with the employer to say, look, I'm really uh, interested and passionate and focused to work in this area. Um, however, you know, what I'm asking is you should perhaps uh, facilitate uh, me uh, better to get into this role because I'm really interested and passionate about doing it. But at the same time, you know, what, I, what I'm also very clear on is I'm not going to compromise my identity, my beliefs, my faith uh, for, um, for that. So, yeah, it, it was a very valuable uh, uh, piece of research. And I'm also happy to inform you, Matt, that that piece of research is now going to become a part of a broader piece that I'm currently working on around underrepresentation of certain groups within, um, you know, the health and safety management world. Oh, that's very interesting. Okay, well, I suppose if we just continue with the research, your, your research you've, you've already done, what, um, what, what, what are you going to use it for or what, how are you going to um, make sure it has an impact? So that, um, that research that I completed, um, and it, it was actually last year, um, like I say, I, I'm actually using that now um, to uh, merge that into a bigger piece of underrepresentation work that I'm doing at the moment. Now, what my hope is, and I'm working on this at the moment, is that I want to broaden this out. So I've done a bit of work. I've got a better understanding and awareness around uh, sort of the religious, cultural uh, 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 barriers for individuals to come into the world of health and safety management. But I'm also acutely aware that there are other underrepresented groups um, within the world of health and safety. For example, I know for a fact that there is an imbalance with regards to gender uh, representation within uh, certain areas of health and safety uh, within the construction sphere. So again, what I would like to see is a better balance between males and females working, uh, you know, as health and safety professionals, certainly within the construction sector. Um, I also know that there is a, a misrepresentation of mixed ability uh, individuals working, uh, you know, and, and those with perhaps uh, disabilities or who are less able if you like, I feel also underrepresented. So again, my work um, around this continues. The work I did on underrepresentation of turbulent Sikhs is going to be very valuable to the broader piece that I'm working on at the moment uh, in terms of the three main prongs being gender representation, uh, religious and cultural uh, representation of Sikhs within health and safety world, but also mixed abilities and, and opportunities for those who are perhaps less able to come into the world of health and safety uh, as managers and advisors and professionals. Well, that's, that's very interesting on a number of levels because I suppose a, a lot of professions have a, a strong link to academia where research is part and parcel and perhaps um, health and safety's link to academia isn't quite as strong as, you know, say, medical professions. But how, how, 
easy was it or how receptive have people been to the idea of you doing research? I mean, it's for, for a lot of people, it's, it's, um, it's a bit of a step into the unknown, is it not? It is indeed, Matt, and you're absolutely right. And, I, you know, I have to admit, um, it has been a bit of a challenge just to get engagement uh, because obviously research is um, only as successful as the uh, amount of engagement one gets uh, and the broader perspectives from, you know, cross-section of uh, uh, people uh, who you are focusing on in terms of your research. And it has been a challenge. Uh, the level of engagement hasn't been um, as uh, broad and as well as I would have hoped. But I guess that's just how it is. And, you know, we nevertheless, you know, having said that, I think we got a good sample size uh, of feedback and, 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 and thoughts um, and comments uh, as a result of, um, you know, this research so um, I will be using that. You know, my work hasn't finished here yet, you know, and that's just perhaps phase one, phase two and phase three and possibly even phase four uh, will be set to, to, to follow. And I'll be more than happy, obviously, to share my findings and my recommendations at the end of this piece of work uh, with, uh, you know, the world of health and safety. And I hope IOSH will um, support me in you know, enabling me to do that as they already supported me uh, initially uh, with the first piece that I uh, did in terms of my research. So you've already um, identified these these issues with equity and diversity and underrepresented groups. But uh, are there any other um, future challenges or opportunities that face the uh, the OSH industry? I think there is, Matt, and uh, the big one for me right now is how we collectively um, understand better the issues and the challenges around mental health within the workplace. And I say that because mental health, suicide rates, which can be linked to mental health, uh, um, all of these things are very prevalent in the world of work. But certainly if I look at the construction sector, you know, uh, mental health is a really big challenge for us. And that's going to be the challenge for the coming decades for safety professionals and employers alike going forward as to how we can better manage uh, this challenge, this wave that we seem to be, you know, sort of uh, seeing right now with the levels and the numbers of people actually diagnosed as suffering with mental health, um, either it's work-related or it could be related outside of work. But, you know, with mental health, it's really about how it affects one uh, in both spheres of life, i.e. in the workplace and outside of the workplace. Suicide rates, again, uh, are very concerning. And this is something, you know, that, as I say, we collectively need to really understand better uh, and support uh, making sure that there, there are employee assistance programs in place for early intervention um, so we can actually support individuals through that very challenging phase of their life, be it professionally or be it personally. So I think mental health uh, is, is a big one. And another one for me really is how we continue to attract uh, at grassroots level um, youngsters who are 
at that sort of juncture of deciding uh, a career for themselves and how we can perhaps, uh, you know, um, how we can actually showcase, if you like, um, a health and safety professional career for them as a possible attractive option that might actually, you know, sort of meet their needs for a, a challenging and a rewarding career uh, over the long term. So again, it's about how we bring in youngsters at the grassroots level and actually support them through, uh, certainly in the earlier uh, uh, stages of their career to get them more established, get them more confident and get them to actually enjoy and become passionate about what they do. And that doesn't happen overnight, but that does need uh, perseverance, that needs a focus, that needs determination, but it also needs a support mechanism around. When I came into health and safety myself, I have to admit the support mechanism around me in the workplace was actually, I would say, fairly basic. Um, now we've come a long way from there. And certainly I always go out of my way to ensure that my advisors, my colleagues feel that they are supported. And I prefer myself to be more of a leader rather than a manager and a leader who can actually help and support for individuals to actually realize their potential and they feel supported rather than just being result focused, which is what a lot of manage managers are very good at, but perhaps not very good at facilitating and supporting and motivating um, in that respect to allow individuals to move on and upwards in the uh, sort of uh, career development ladder and, um, you know, and, and, and keep them engaged and, and, and um, interested. You've mentioned a, a lot of things that influence your, your approach to, to your work, but if you had to sort of bottle it down, what, what, um, what's the, the thing that inspires you to, uh, to, to continue working in, in occupational health and safety? Um, I have to say it's people, Matt, and uh, this is really my driver. This is really what, um, you know, sort of uh, gets me out of bed in the morning, if you like. Um, the challenge that this day uh, is going to bring. And again, one thing I've learned uh, over the 25 years I've served in this in this profession is that no two days are ever the same. And I'm constantly waiting for the next challenge for that day. And then that challenge may bring along another challenge. To use a cricketing analogy, there are constant googlies on a sticky wicket. <laughs> <laughs> and you're kind of waiting for the next, you know, curveball to come your way. And I, I guess that's something that keeps me on it. That's something that keeps me motivated and focused. And that feeling, having known that you've dealt with that challenge effectively and you've got a positive outcome, it's, it's hard to describe. It's something that keeps me going. And I'm guessing there's a lot of fellow safety professionals out there who, who, who feel exactly the same. And my last, my last question for you then is, you, you, you mentioned the research you're, do, you're still engaged in. Is there anything else on the horizon for you? Um, at the moment, Matt, uh, my focus would be to progress and complete my research. Um, and also, I'm very um, aware of the fact that maybe with, over the next 18 months or so, I would be turning my attention to my application for being considered as a uh, uh, chartered fellow uh, with IOSH. So um, I need to obviously allocate um, some time to that process as well, which is very important to me. 
And, you know, when I achieved that fellowship and for me, being a positive person, I would have to say when rather than if, um, it would be a very proud moment for me because um, my late father, uh, Mr. Mansingh, <clears throat> was very uh, a pro-academia uh, and always encouraged myself and my siblings to, you know, sort of be the best we can, but also to always embark on that journey of lifelong learning. And learning should never stop. And we we all believe that, you know, every day is a school day. We learn things with each passing day. Um, so I would dedicate, you know, um, the um, all of my achievements to date to my very dear late father, uh, Mr. Man Singh, um, you know, so it, it's because of him I'm sat here having this having this conversation with you. Without his motivation, without his direction and and, and support, um, you know, this today wouldn't have been possible. So I dedicate all of my achievements to my late father and my family. And um, yeah, it's it's just been an amazing journey thus far, and I've enjoyed uh, this journey. And I'm sort of reaching a certain age where I might start to think about perhaps taking things a little easier. But at the moment, I'm just enjoying this challenge, this journey, this professional journey so much. Um, yeah, but there will be other projects uh, once I've completed my uh, 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 current project around uh, underrepresentation of certain uh, groups within health and safety professional uh, and also, obviously, my uh, fellowship. So, uh, yeah, watch this space. Lovely. Well, thank you so much. It's been wonderful chatting to you today. Um, uh, I think uh, we, we all look forward to hearing what the outcome will be of, of your research and hearing more about your career in the future. I hope we get a chance to chat again. Um, thank you, Paul, for your time. Thank you so much. I look forward to sharing findings of my research with yourself and your listeners. And thank you for the opportunity for today. And again, I just want to credit um, IOSH for uh, the, the opportunity. And, uh, you know, I've previously written various pieces uh, which have been published in IOSH magazine and other safety body magazines in the UK. And I will continue to do that, uh, which is my way of perhaps giving something back to this wonderful profession that I am so uh, passionate about. So, uh, Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. See you next month for another conversation on all things health and safety.